Coming up on the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. Plants and animals are in an evolutionary arms race. Plants becoming more and more poisonous, so less and less animals can eat them so they can survive and thrive. And then animals becoming more and more adapted to specific poisons in specific plants so that they can eat that plant or that family of plants and, and survive and thrive. And obviously, everything, anything that can't defend themselves against predation is going to go extinct. And that includes plants as well as animals. And so... You know, we're learning this, but we're learning this in, in a cancer perspective. So we're looking at carcinogens. And this is 22 years ago that I took this class. And even at that time, they had already discovered 136 known human carcinogens just in Brussels sprouts and over 100 in you know, white mushrooms, white cat mushrooms, and spinach, kale, lettuce, celery, cabbage, cucumber, broccoli, you name it. They're literally giving pages and pages of, of just any plant you'd ever heard of uh, that you had eaten. Uh, by mistake or otherwise. And, and there was a number next to it with a number of carcinogens that had been identified in them. And there, there wasn't a single one under 60. Hello, and welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I'm Brian Grin, and I'm here to give you actionable tips to get your body back to what it once was 5, 10, even 15 years ago. Each week, I'll give you an in-depth interview with a health expert from around the world to cut through the fluff and get you long-term sustainable results. This week, I interviewed the plant-free MD, Dr. Anthony Chafee. Dr. Chafee is an MD specializing in neurosurgery and has been implementing the carnivore diet for over a decade. We discussed the issue with eating plants, along with how to get started with the carnivore diet, and some of the tips, tricks, and common pitfalls that people fall into when becoming a full carnivore. I really enjoyed my interview with Dr. Chafee. I know you will too. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the show. All right. Welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. My name is Brian Grin, and I have Dr. Anthony Chafee on. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, we finally got it together. It took a little time, but <laughs> you know, when you're on different time zones and different days, it gets a little confusing. So glad to have you on. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank you. And I, I apologize on, on my end. I just... You know, my, my schedule gets a bit, a bit, uh, crazy sometimes. And so, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's hard to schedule things sometimes. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. So actually my first full on carnivore on the show, we've had a lot of different guests and, um, so glad to dive into that. Uh, before we get into that, maybe give the individuals a little bit of background. I know, you know, you're an MD specializing in, uh, neurosurgery, um, and perhaps how you sort of got into that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, um, like, like you said, I'm, I'm an American uh, medical doctor and specializing in neurosurgery. Uh, I've been practicing since 2013, um, when I graduated medical school, but, um, I left my residency program early for a family emergency. And then I was doing humanitarian work and volunteering in the refugee camps in Bangladesh, helping with the, um, those who have escaped genocide in Burma. Um, not everyone know that, but there was an actual full-on genocide in 2017, September, 2017, where the Burmese government now called Myanmar slaughtered about 200,000 people in a month and a half. And about a million people fled into uh, Southern Bangladesh to escape this. Uh, and there wasn't there really wasn't enough people to help. So I, I, I decided I needed to go and, and help out with that. So I was there for, uh, between 2017, 2018. And then after that, I, you know, was just looking to get back into practice and finish up with, with uh, neurosurgery and get going with that. And so I was just looking around. I ended up deciding to go down to Australia because I had, a, I had friends here who were doctors and who I had played rugby with mm. previously that 
that you know really liked it and really enjoyed it and they wanted me to go down there as well so i just decided to go and check it out but you know my you know my 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 passion in medicine was was you know, very broad. And so, you know, I always liked different aspects of things. I, I love newer surgery. Absolutely. Absolutely adore it. But I, there are a lot of other things I like, you know, just like nutrition and, and health and uh, preventative medicine as well. So I also have a practice in, you know, what we call functional medicine, preventative medicine as well. Excellent. Um, um and my question for you is, I, I noticed on your uh, social media, and you talk about being a, a plant-free MD, uh, mm-hmm. perhaps explain uh, how you came about that. Yeah. So when I was uh, in, in college, doing my undergrad, uh, you know, I, I was taking you know, cancer biology and I was, I, was, I was always interested in going to medical school. That was always the plan. But I was also, uh, you know, an, an avid athlete. I played you know, professional rugby for about 10 years before medical school, took some time off to do that and, and really enjoyed that. So I was always really interested in diet and nutrition, how that affected my body and, and my performance. And obviously in, in just general health as someone who wanted to be a doctor one day. Yeah. Um, and when I was taking uh, cancer biology at the University of Washington in Seattle, you know, I just had a, an amazing professor who, you know, took us through and actually showed us that actually plants have defense chemicals. This is something that we actually learned in botany. And, and I actually learned in seventh grade biology mm-hmm. uh, that plants and animals are in an evolutionary arms race. Plants becoming more and more poisonous. So less and less animals can eat them so they can survive and thrive. And then animals becoming more and more adapted to specific poisons in specific plants so that they can eat that plant or that family of plants and, and survive and thrive. And obviously everything, anything that can't defend themselves against predation is going to go extinct. And that includes plants as well as animals. And so, you know, we're learning this, but we're learning this in in a cancer perspective. So we're looking at carcinogens and this is 22 years ago that I took this class. And even at that time, they had already discovered 136 known human carcinogens just in Brussels sprouts and over 100 in, you know, white mushrooms, white cat mushrooms, and spinach, kale, lettuce, celery, cabbage, cucumber, broccoli, you name it. They're literally giving pages and pages of, of just any plant you'd ever heard of uh, that you had eaten uh, by mistake or otherwise. And, and there was a number next to it with a number of carcinogens that had been identified in them. And there, there wasn't a single one under 60. I remember like just going through, it's just like, what was the lowest number I could find? There was only in their 60s. There wasn't a single one under that. And I remember just, just, you know, thinking like, this must be a joke. He must be playing around. All of us were doing that. We were looking around wildly like this, this can't be true. <laughs> and just look, I was looking for someone who was in on the joke and just like smirking and just like, you know, just giving it away. But there, there wasn't anyone. And it finally dawned on me like, okay, this guy's serious. And I thought to myself like, well, but, but vegetables are still good for you though. Right. And, <laughs> you know, he just, he just looked at us and he just sort of made this face and he just said, I don't eat salad. I don't eat vegetables. I don't let my kids eat vegetables. Plants are trying to kill you. So I was like, right, screw plants. And I just stopped. I just stopped (laughs) eating all plants like from that day on. And, you know, I, and I went to the grocery store. I was like, what, what the hell do I buy? Like everything has plants in it or is a plant, you know, there's pasta obviously comes from grains, all the prepackaged food. They all had, you know, vegetables and other things mixed into it. Every tamales, everything, everything had plants everything was made from plants or at least had plant ingredients. And so I was just, I just defaulted into a carnivore diet. That was 22 years. I'm sorry to interrupt you. That was 22 years ago. That's correct. Yeah. 
And so yeah. you've been, car- I'm sorry, but you've been carnivore for that long or you eased your mostly. way? Mostly. Yeah. You mostly. No. Well, that day I yeah. stopped. <clears throat> so from that day on for, for five years straight, I was strict carnivore. I didn't, I did not touch plants. I didn't let any, and I didn't want to, right. you know, after the first sort of two weeks sort of, you know, adjustment period where I was just like looking at all the things that I couldn't eat and feeling weird about it. I didn't even miss it. I, I just didn't care. I just felt so good. I felt amazing. And I loved meat. I didn't want to eat anything else. I didn't even look at uh, other things as food. I just, it just didn't even register. And uh, I remember my, my, I was living with my brother at the time and he asked me to pass him the bread. And I was like, I, where, where's the bread? I was like, we have bread. Like, I didn't even know we had bread. And he's like, yeah, it's right there on the counter. I was like, where, where I'm looking at the counter. I'm not seeing bread. He's like, it's right by the stove. It's to the right of the stove. And I, I'm literally saying, I couldn't see this thing. And he's like, it's, to the right, directly to the right of the back burner on the stove. And I finally was looking at it. It was like this magic eye, you know, picture. I was like, all of a sudden, just this sailboat pops out. Like, oh, there it is. There's just this, you know, bag of bread. I, I couldn't even see it. And I was like, oh, my God, I guess there's bread here. And I, I gave it to him. So I, I, it wasn't even on my radar. The only time, the only reason I slipped off of that is because when I went to England, I was playing uh, professional, professional rugby in England um, when I was 25. I just didn't, didn't have access to meat as you do in America. It's like, you know, you can go to butchers, you can do all these sorts of things. It is more expensive. It's quite a lot more expensive and you don't necessarily get the same access. And, you know, some of it was breaded and otherwise. So I remember like sort of seeing this breaded, you know, chicken and things like that. And I was just like, I was like, well, is it that big a deal? I mean, it's a plant, but is it, you know, does it make that big of a difference? Like, you know, dose makes the poison. And I sort of just convinced myself that it would be okay to have, you know, breaded chicken. And, and, and it, it wasn't okay. I actually felt a lot worse because of that. I remember sort of a couple of months in like thinking to myself, I was like, why don't I feel as just superhuman amazing as I normally do? Like, this is weird. Like, because I, you know, I was just my, my athletic performance and my fitness just, just went to just crazy levels. You know, I, I just felt so good all the time and I was absolutely crushing it athletically. And now I'm, I'm sort of getting sore and stiff and getting these weird aches. I was just like, this is weird. I, I, this is not normal for me. And I was thinking, I was like, well, maybe, you know, my 25, I'm just over the hill and I just, my body's just <laughs> decaying now. And, um, you know, and I, I literally thought that I was like, well, maybe that's it. I'm just over the hump, but you know, that, that was it. I, I started slipping off. I started eating just, even just a, a small amount of this stuff actually made, made a big difference. But the biggest thing that it did was it got me out of that you know, strict aversion to anything plant. And so I started eating a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more until all of a sudden, you know, you know, the, the people, you know, it came out with like, you know, Dr. Furman with the Gomes diet. So greens, you know, onions, mushrooms, beans, berries, seeds, that was that big, basically pushing a plant-based vegan diet. Um, you know, he, my brother sort of read his book and he's like, Oh, wow, this guy makes a lot of sense. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. That doesn't really make sense to me. Like, you know, these things have toxins in them. So it's like, oh, it has this one good thing in it. Like, you know, they use the example of anti-VEGF in mushrooms. Like, oh, this is really good at, at fighting cancer. And it's like, my initial thought was like, okay, do you have cancer? Then why are you taking chemo? You know, probably, probably not a great idea. And also there's over a hundred carcinogens in mushrooms, you know? So you don't have cancer, you're taking chemo and something that can give you cancer. So that, that didn't make sense to me anyway. But, you know, you just... I wasn't thinking about it in those terms or just like plants are trying to kill me, you know, just not going to touch these things. And so I just sort of slipped off. And so I started having some salads and even some mushrooms and unfortunately, and, and just going, going off like that. But I, I was still very, very heavily meat based. 
And I always felt better eating just a ton of meat. And I never felt bad if I was only eating just meat, like, like guilt wise or whatever, but like, you just, this thing sort of slipped in, but then it was like, sort of like five, six years ago, you know, I came across, you know, data information that's showing that like, no humans actually are carnivores. This is just actually the kind of animal that we are. And, you know, eating outside of that, just like, you know, eating, you know, giving an animal at the zoo, something it doesn't eat, it's going to make them sick. This is why there's signs at the zoo to say, don't feed the animals. That's not what they eat. They get sick, you know, but they, but they get sick with the same things we do. They get obesity, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, autoimmune issues, all, all arthritis, you know, that's not normal. That shouldn't happen. Animals in the wild don't get cancer. Animals in the zoo fed their natural diet. Don't get cancer. You know, dogs and cats do though, you know, because we're giving them something outside of their species and we're getting, we're eating something outside of our species. So I saw that again and all of a sudden it just clicked in. I was like, that's what I was doing. That's why I felt so amazing because I was living as a carnivore. I was eating as a carnivore without realizing it. And that's why I felt just so superhuman, amazing all the time. And I was like, right. I knew plants were trying to kill me, get rid of these damn vegetables. <laughs> and I, I just, I just chucked them out at the time. I was only eating like greens and, and some lean meat. I was trying, I was just back from Bangladesh and I was trying to, uh, you know, trim down and get back into rugby. And, um, and so I was just eating spinach, kale, and broccoli. I was making, like blending them up and keeping the pulp and everything like that. And in these big green smoothies, which just tasted like death. I mean, they, they were so bitter, so gross, which should tell you something, you know, if you, you we, if it's something that's bitter, that's your tongue and your brain telling you this is something bad in here. Don't eat it. That's your natural instinct is to spit it out. It's like a kid would spit it out, you know, because that's what their genetics, that's what their biology is telling them to do. So how can, why would we have evolved to hate the taste of some of our, of our most nutritious meal? That doesn't make any sense. It shouldn't be bitter. It shouldn't taste foul, but it did. And I, you know, you know, and, and we overlook that all the time. Um, are, you, are you still in touch with your professor? <laughs> I, I do. I wish. I actually tried to look yeah. at him. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I tried I to look at him. Like, that guy changed my life, you know, and, and, and through me, you know, other people, you know, because I've been able to sort of relay that to other people. No, I, I, I tried looking back through the, you know, the course uh, descriptions and uh, uh, University of Washington. No, I couldn't yeah. find it. I couldn't even find, I couldn't even find the class. Oh, wow. Know? So I don't know if they, they kept uh, the records fully back then, or maybe it was just called something, something different. I remember being called cancer biology, but maybe it was called something subtly different. And, um, you yeah, know. cause that would be cool because to, to talk like that, you know, what, like you said, 22 years ago, I mean, mm. I mean, now you're hearing a little bit more in the mainstream, but, uh, you know, the whole low carb and keto and carnivore movement, but back 22 years ago, it was, you know, no one was really talking about it. No, no. Which, which is crazy too, because, you know, botanists have known this forever. You know, we have horticulturists who know about all the toxicities in plants and how to, you know, try to you know, mitigate the poisons, but they, they understand that they're poisonous. They have poisons in them. And, you know, we, as a, as a civilization going back, every civilization going back thousands of years have, have understood the inherent toxic nature of plants. And, and, you know, this, this is why we have so many different, different techniques and, and ways of, you know, you know, detoxifying and bringing out some of the nutrients from, from, uh, you know, plants, I mean, like corn, you know, is a, is a process called nishtamalization, which is, it, it breaks down a lot of, you know, the toxins and it also brings out a lot of the nutrients. And when you don't do that properly, you get, you know, you get serious, uh, uh nutritional deficiencies called, called pellagra. 
you know, so there's a vitamin B deficiency. And this, this actually killed millions and millions of people throughout Europe uh, before they realized what the hell was going on and in, in the States before people realized what was going on. But, you know, people in Mesoamerica and, and throughout, you know, the, um, you know, the Americas, they, they were eating this stuff for a long time because they, they knew how to, how to process it properly. So they didn't have the problems that we did. And then, so we took, you know, uh, the corn and we didn't take the process with it. That's a problem. Mm. You know, there's, there's cassava root is, uh, is the third most important source of calories in the third world. And it has so much cyanide in it that it will kill you if you eat it. And so you have to, you have to process it to, to try to get out, leach out, uh, some of this, this cyanide. So you can, you can process it properly. So it won't be fatal, but at the same time, it still has, has, has uh, cyanide in it. And, and even low doses of cyanide over time will cause neurological damage and, and thyroid dysfunction as well. So, you know, this isn't, this isn't good. I mean, it's something we can survive on and we can live on if we're in extremity, you know, and, and that's what people have done, you know, in, in, you know, historical times is that, you know, basically the poorer people, you had to flesh out your food with, with plants. And that's why, you know, meat and fatty meat in particular was called rich food because the rich people ate it. And also on average, were much healthier and live much longer. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, you know, for someone that wanted to implement some type of vegetables like fermentation, um, there's mm. obviously ways to get around some of the anti-nutrients. Um, and, um, is this something like for you, what's a typical day like for you as far as eating? Uh, yeah. So I, I, I tend to eat once a day, you know, when you're okay. eating, high, yeah. When you're eating high density nutrition, you wow, don't need once a day as okay. much yeah. or as often. Yeah. I've tried once working. I've tried once and yeah. twice. The pro the only issue I had with that is this getting the uh, amount of protein. I mean, mm. I guess if you're just going straight, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly meat based as well. I'm not like a carnivore, but that was the mm. only issue I've had with eating once or twice a day was just getting that amount of protein in, but yeah, well, it, it, you know, it also depends on what you, what your body wants, you know. So when I'm when I'm working out, if I'm working out, and when I have time to, I don't always have time to work out. But you know, when I do, and I'm, I'm working out regularly, I'm working out hard because I, you know, I I've been playing sports at a high level and, and training to. Oh, I played professional rugby, and I also you know trained at a professional MMA gym, uh, AMC Kickboxing in Kirkland, just outside of Seattle. Just one of the top. I just got lucky. There's one of the top MMA gyms in the world with some awesome. of the top trainers. Were like a few miles from my house growing up, so it was just you know just I went do, there. I do I do Muay Thai, so I love that. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. yeah I did yeah. I did Muay Thai and uh, Pancration. That was a, what's Pancration? Pancration was in the original Olympic Games, and so it's uh -huh. it's, it's actual like you know uh, you know Greek wrestling, so it was like like collegiate wrestling, so it's oh, based okay. on that that okay. art form. Uh, but instead of working for a pin, you're working for a submission. And so that was, that was actually in the original Olympic games. That would be like, you know, the old ancient, uh, Greek, uh, fighters, they would all train in this and they would all mm. train in that sort of that fighting art form. And so that was, you know, so it was, it's, well, it's steeped in tradition, but it's, it's also steeped in, you know, you know, scientific sort of, uh, processes of, of, uh, you know, weaning out, um, you know, any, any sort of weaknesses, you know, just like, you know, like, like, you know, Olympic wrestling is, you know, it's very, 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 you know, tight to the technique. You can try and go in there and do some flashy move or something like that, but you're going to get rolled up if you're going mm -hmm. against someone who really knows what they're doing, uh, in, in, uh, in that, in that form, that's sort of the same with, with pancreation. It's, it's that, this is very, very solid. It doesn't have tricks. It doesn't have tactics. It has just the, the most solid moves consistently. The, ba the, the basics. Right. Like the, 
to some degree, right? You, you, it's like you can get it all fancy, but you got to stick to the yeah to the basics. Um, yeah, well, and and there's a lot to it too. It's just it's yeah. just they don't have you know like so like in in um, we we would actually go through with like you know uh, jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu, and things like that because you know when I was when I was doing this, when I was I you know I I started fighting uh, or training training to fight when I was 14 on my 14th birthday. This is this is just before UFC three. Mm. So that, that's, that's how far yeah. back, you know, I go, but, um, you know, actually there was a guy chemo who was training out of our gym who fought, uh, Ken Shamrock in mm. UFC three in the super fight. So they were getting ready to do that. So he was training out and the dude was huge, by the way, his wow. calves were just like the size of my midsection. <laughs> and like, it was just massive, just a big old dude, like 270, 280 pound Samoan dude, just monster. Wow. Yeah. And, um, but, uh, you know, we, we would go through, we would have classes on, on sort of, you know, some of the, some of the different things that, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu would, would do. And then this is how you, this is, this is how you counter them, you know, and some things, you know, the fundamental thing, you know, in, in wrestling, you always have a post, you always have somewhere, someone tries to roll, you have, you can push here, mm-hmm. you can push here, you all sorts of things, you know, in, in jiu-jitsu, sometimes they give up their post, you know, and it's more of an aggressive thing. You know, it's like, you know, defense, you know, wins championships, right. you know, that, that's sort of how I think about it. And, and, you know, when you, when you're doing like tradi- you know, traditional, you know, uh, you know, wrestling and, uh, pancreation, like you always have, you always have your defense in place, you mm-hmm. know, whereas sometimes you, you might do like overextend yourself ag- aggressively to try to, to get something, but it, but it might cost you, you know? And so Brazilian jiu-jitsu sometimes has those moves that, that put you in a vulnerable state, but it, it's, it's sort of, it's sort of like, you know, the big, you know, uh, big risk, big reward sort of scenario. Right. Right. And so, you know, it really could, you know, get you a, uh, you know, home run, but you could strike out as well. And so we, we just went through those things like, yeah, these are the flaws. These are the flaws. These are the flaws, you know, oh, or they change in the armor anywhere. And, and they're, they're very good, you know, and they'll get most people. That's why you have to train and see like, this is how you counter that, you know, but that, that's what we did. Yeah. So that was pan, pan creation, which I was uh, always loved. It was absolutely amazing. I really wish I would have kept up with that, but I, I felt I didn't have time to spend on, on both rugby and, and yeah. fighting. I tried to do both. Um, but I, I really wanted to fight. I really wanted to fight, uh, out of AMC and they just had a rule, uh, Matt Hume, who is the, the trainer. If people follow UFC and things like that, they should know who that is. Um, that, you know, you had to, you had to sort of make all these special fighters trainings or, you know, three a week in the evenings. And mm-hmm. I was like, look, I'll, I'll come to every single training, you know, starting at you know, four in the afternoon, I'll be here every single training every single hour of every single day, except for this one session a week. You know, right. if I can go, go do rugby, it's just literally just one session a week, you know, and I'll go to every other session. Everybody, he's just like, look, you know, I, we just can't made this it. rule. Yeah. Like it's, 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 you know, it's reasonable, but we just made this rule. We can't just, you know, turn around and break it right away. And I was like, yeah, I get that. And so I, in my youth and stupidity, I thought that Matt, I, I couldn't, train at all, you know, because I was just like, you know, I want to fight because like, I could have kept training. It's just like, I, w- I wasn't allowed to fight out of the gym unless I made every single training. That was, that was the rule because they didn't want to, they weren't training, you know, chumps, you know, they wanted, they were, gotcha. were training champions. And, um, you know, so that, that was it. So I ended up just doing rugby, unfortunately. And I, all the time I look back, I'm like, why? why <laughs> I do, bro? Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So we got off on a tangent, but uh, <laughs> it's okay. Um, we could probably do a podcast on that. Um, so question, so routine, so you eat once a day and you're packing in, you mainly, do, you don't do organ meats, correct? You're just doing regular, just, uh, normal yeah. meats. Okay. Yeah. Almost never. I mean, if you want to eat organs, that's fine. I think of it as, 
you know, you want to think as a proportion of the cows, you know, the, yeah. the right shirt for it on this one. Yeah. Um, it's know, a small you, portion of the whole of the, the cow. Whole, exactly. Right. So yeah. you're just going to do it maybe once every few weeks or once a month or something. Or yeah, every, every so often, you know, I mean, so you, you take down a, you take down a Buffalo as an individual, you know, that, that Buffalo will last you two years realistically, you know, you know, it's only got one liver. Right. So it's got to have one liver for that, those two years. And, you know, there, there's certainly, you know, um, tribes that eat the livers and eat the, the organs. Absolutely. And there's others that don't, you know, like the Inuit, they don't, they don't, they don't eat the organs. They would give the organs to their dogs. And so, and especially, you know, when you're, when you're talking about like marine mammals and things like that, um, and then, you know, polar bears, especially, you know, these, these have such a high concentration of vitamin A that is actually, is actually toxic, you know, so you, you don't, you don't want to eat uh, too much of that, uh, or a polar bear liver, you don't want to eat it at all. Um, so I don't, I don't think that you, you necessarily need to do it. If you want to do it fine, I just would, would caution people not to, to really eat it out of proportion, because again, you, you can get because it is very, very nutrient dense. And if, you know, you're, if you're not eating carnivore and you're eating sort of a, you know, a, a lower nutrient, uh, diet, then, you know, liver is your best friend, you know, but if you're, if you're, you are eating carnivore, then you'll get all the nutrients you need just from the skeletal muscle meat. And so if you're adding in a lot of liver, you, you could actually build up, uh, to a level that you don't want. So I, I tend to avoid that. And I eat once a day. Well, I eat, I eat just until I'm full basically. Right. And if I'm eating, you know, fatty meat, because so I try to get between sort of 70, 80% of my calories from fat. If I'm eating leaner meat, then I'll, I'll eat more, you know? Um, but if, if I'm eating fatty enough meat, uh, and I fill up, then I tend to only be hungry once a day, but if I'm working out that could easily double, you know? So I normally would eat like, you know, two, two and a half pounds, of fatty meat. So it's high calorie intake. Right. Um, and then if I'm, if I'm working out a lot, that could easily go to four to five pounds. Mm. Yeah. Okay. What are, uh, what are some, I guess, tips and tricks or, or things for individuals to, if they want to get started with, uh, carnivores, this is a road they want to go down. Yeah, I, I, I would, uh, definitely think about things in terms of what not to eat just as much as what to eat, just because, sure. you know, it's not just that, you know, Oh, you don't have to eat salad. You can get all the nutrients that you need for meat. It's that, no, you, you actually don't want to eat salad. Salad's actually bad for you, which is a weird concept for us to, to take in, you know? Um, mm. but, but it's an important one, you know, and, uh, you know, it, you, people will, will feel the difference when you get these things out of, out of your system, you will definitely feel the difference. So that would, that would be one thing. Uh, and so my rule is, you know, no plants, no sugar, nothing artificial. And that would go for sauces, seasonings, and drinks as well. So really, really trying to get really just down to just meat and water, maybe salt to taste. If you want, you don't have to. And then, you know, just, just um, really keeping it as simple as possible. There's all these different rules in these snacks and there's this and that. Just, just eat meat, just drink water, just be happy. Like that's all there is, you know? <laughs> and so try to keep it as simple as possible. This is something that it, it should be very, very easy to do. You know, because you, you, you know exactly what you can and can't eat. There's, this, there's no, there's no gray area. It's just black and white, you know, and, you know, and then also you can, you don't have to worry about portion control. You don't have to count calories. You can just eat intuitively and you, you just eat until you're full. You just eat until meat doesn't taste good. And it actually tastes better the more hungry you are. And that's how you can tell, because you'll have to relearn your hunger signals. That's the major thing that people should know about is when you stop eating carbohydrates, 
your 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 uh, hunger signals just change dramatically and go into the the uh, you know the the reasons why if you want but but suffice it to say that they change and so you don't feel hungry in the traditional sense and so you, it's actually very easy to undereat and so you want to you want to gauge it by your taste so if meat tastes good that means your body is giving you a positive feedback and saying hey get more of this in you eventually it'll actually start tasting not so good. And then eventually it'll taste bad. And you're like, oh, I don't want to eat this anymore. So your body's telling you, don't eat this, right? It's the same piece of meat cooked at the same time in the same conditions. Why does it taste different? Well, because your body is experiencing it differently because now it doesn't want those nutrients anymore. So it just tells you when to stop. So you can just eat intuitively. You can eat any time of the day or night. It doesn't matter. The only real reason it matters is if, uh, if you're eating before bed is if you're eating carbohydrates, that'll raise your insulin. That'll block the, the function of growth hormone, which is, you know, uh, and it, it's secreted in its maximal dosages two hours after you go to sleep. So it really screws with your hormonal cycle as, as well as putting you into a fat storage state. So those are the, the main things is that, you know, just keep it easy, keep it simple, just focus on meat and water. Don't worry about all the other frills and everything like that and avoid, you know, things that, that, uh, fall into the category of, you know, plants, sugar, um, uh, you know, plants or sugar, anything artificial, like artificial sweeteners, and coffee. People don't realize coffee is a plant, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and so they keep doing that. If you want to have coffee, I mean, fine. It's, you know, it's, 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 you know, one thing out of a thousand that you've cut out, you know, but right. people do generally feel a lot better when they come off coffee. And especially if they get rid of the artificial sweeteners, those, those seem to be a hang up that, that seems to stall people's progress is, is the artificial sweeteners, especially like stevia and, and other things like that. Yeah. It's interesting. You make the point that, uh, it's just as important the things that you're getting off as it mm. is the things that you're implementing. I think that's what makes it successful. And, you know, for some people, I know, obviously there's people who do thrive on a plant-based diet. Um, mm. so I always like to say, I think there should be some type of self-experimentation, um, depending on yeah. the individual. Some people can assimilate saturated fats better than others. Um, but either way, uh, I think it, it, it's something that, you know, over time you sort of find what, what works for you. Do, do you have any, it, do you take, do you do like blood work every so often or? Yeah, no, I have, okay. uh, I've never really, you know, cared to for my own interest. I was like, Oh, I don't know what this is because I, you know, I, I, I trusted the, the fact that, you know, I was eating what I was biologically most appropriate to. And so whatever my bloods were, you know, I, I wasn't really worried about you know, micromanaging anything. And I was just sure. like, whatever, whatever my bloods are, whatever my cholesterol is, which is actually good for you, by the way, sure. um, it, it's going to be what it's supposed to be. It's going to be physiological, but I have, I have taken them. Cool. Um, cool. just because I, just I had curious a, about like thyroid and things like that. I know some people yeah, yeah, have, yeah. have had, yeah. you know, on keto have been shown to yeah. slow down the thyroid a bit. And I know that not, not for everybody, but yeah, I think there's, there's, there's going to be a few different reasons for that as well. And, um, uh, but no, for me, when, when I took, took my bloods, actually the, the sort of the functional medicine, uh, preventative health, uh, clinic that I work in now, the reason I worked there is because I met, you know, the endocrinologist who was running this practice for 40 years. And we're talking about this and we're talking about the car carnivore diet and he got very interested in this because he, you know, he'd been using diet and lifestyle changes to help people for 40 years now. So that was right up his alley, but, but very different from what, you know, he had heretofore thought to be, um, you know, true. Mm -hmm. And so he was very interested in that. And he always saw me and I was, you know, in good shape. And, and, uh, and he said like, well, you know, you look, you look good and, um, you know, you look good for your age, especially. And, and how old are you, uh, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah. I'm 42. Oh, so we're the same age. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah. And, and, you know, so he was looking at me and he's just saying, Hey, you know, you look, you look great. You know, you look like you're in good shape, but you know, let's check under the hood and let's, you know, let's see the bloods. And so I, I said, fine, you know, yeah, let's check it out. I didn't really care. I knew whatever they were going to be, they were going to be good. And he calls me up a couple of weeks later and he said, Hey, you know, we should, uh, we should talk about this carnivore diet over a steak sometime, <laughs> you know, because, right. uh, you know, your bloods came back and they were really good. And, uh, we went through them and, you know, he said to me, we went through a ton, ton of things, you know, deep dive into the hormones and nutrients, minerals, vitamins, everything. And he said that if you took a hundred thousand people, my age off the street, then my bloods would be number one without a shadow of a doubt. And so we really started talking about it. He got really interested into, I start, into um, the, the idea of this. And I started, you know, sending him a lot of resources and papers and talking to him about it, you know, at length. And he actually started incorporating it into his practice and putting all his patients on a carnivore diet and mm -hmm. uh, to help them lose weight and to reverse diseases. So especially autoimmune issues, autoimmune issues just go away. You go on a carnivore diet because it's really is it, the plants that's actually precipitating the, the event of uh, these autoimmune issues. And when you remove that causative factor, you know, the effect just goes away, which, which is sort of the premise of all of my work is that, and a book I'm writing is that, you know, the so-called chronic diseases that we treat nowadays as, as a major part of, of the medical profession are not actually diseases per se, but they're actually toxicities and malnutrition, toxic buildup of species inappropriate diet and a lack of species specific nutrition. So namely too many plants, not enough meat, you know? And, and so when we implement this in practice, we actually see these diseases just go away, you know? And, uh, and, and especially autoimmune issues are the most dramatic and, uh, and, and very fulfilling things to watch. I, I, you know, Crohn's ulcerative colitis, rheumatoid arthritis, these things have actually in the medical literature, going back to the 1800s have been treated and cured and gotten rid of completely by putting people on a pure red meat and water diet since the 1800s. And as recently as 1975, there were books being written about just that, about mm. putting people on a carnivore diet and, and reversing all of these issues, which is crazy to me because in 1977, the USDA said that cholesterol causes heart disease, saturated fat increases cholesterol, stop eating both of these things. And just a hundred years of medical literature mm -hmm. and knowledge just got thrown out because meat's bad because it has cholesterol. Crazy to me. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a changing time. I mean, I think, you know, podcasts and, and, uh, gosh, with YouTube, it's like, you can, you can definitely do your own research and find out more about all this. I know you guys do. I, uh, do you do a 30 day carnivore challenge, right? Is that something you have going mm. on? Yeah, we do. And it's, uh, it's uh, like, uh, uh, just how to carnivore.com. That's how, how we sign up for that. And so oh, what we try to do is, is just, yeah, try to coach people and help them in a group setting, uh, with myself and, and my partner, Simon Lewis. Uh, and we have like telegram groups. We were just chatting with people and talking to them and sending them resources. We have uh, different modules and packets and emails that go out to people, uh, on a daily basis throughout the, the challenge. And, and this is just ways so they, they can learn and, and really see, you know, understand why we're doing this, why it matters, why it makes a difference and, and how to do it successfully and, and really try that just pure meat and water approach and even get rid of coffee, even get rid of stevia, just all the little things 
that, that people don't do. I really think that getting rid of the last 5% of, you know, go, going carnivore makes up about 95% of the difference for people. It really makes a massive difference, especially with carbohydrates and sugar, because even just a small amount of these things will fundamentally derail your metabolic system and your biochemistry and how it functions. Just simply, it will put you into a fat storing metabolism instead of a fat burning metabolism, which will, you will be in all the time on a carnivore diet. So it makes a big difference. And then we, we have other sorts of uh, ways to support them as well. So, and we, and we've been doing this for like about three, four months now. And, and it's been, we've been having good feedback and people have been having good results. And a lot of people saying that, yeah, I've been, you know, sort of mostly carnivore, very meat based, but never really got rid of the last of it. And like, I'm so glad I did because, you know, I feel so much better. Uh, my weight just started coming off and, and, uh, they started reversing all their, their health issues. So it's been really nice to see that. Yeah. And uh, I noticed, uh, going off a little bit, but you, you do some X3 work. It's something that I've implemented. Uh, cause yeah. I had, I had Dr. Jake wish on the podcast, uh, hmm. uh, beginning of last year. And, and, uh, like with the whole COVID thing, I was like, Oh, I got to do something. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've really enjoyed it. I, now I, I use the X3, I use it intermittently with maybe some traditional lifting, but it's been a, just a huge game changer for me. Cause it, yeah. So I'm the, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I liked it too. I, I was actually looking at it during COVID as well because yeah. uh, I didn't end up getting it at the time. I actually wish I did. But, um, because I was, yeah, I was, I was really just getting upset and not being able to work out during right. COVID. Uh, but I, you know, I was, I was so, uh, pissed off because I had, I had a whole gym set up, uh, at home in, in Seattle that I, oh. I left there when I moved to Australia. And I just kept thinking of this perfect gym setup that I had been, you know, when I was, before I went to Australia, when I was getting ready to go, you know, I was in, I was in my, my home gym for like three to four hours a day, every day. It was just like listening to like books on tape and Thomas Sowell, uh, books and, and lectures and things like that. Cause I just, lo- I just love Thomas Sowell. And so I just, it was just listening, just, you know, devouring all his stuff. And I was like, I figured this is something I want to do anyway. You know, and I could justify working out for four hours if I'm, you know, I'm listening to something educational that I wanted to to hear anyway. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I justified it to myself. But I was I was there for like you know three four hours a day, and uh, and doing rugby on top of that. And you know at, at 38, 39, and I felt amazing doing it. And then I was in in Australia with COVID and no access to any like gym uh, equipment. Yeah. I was just I was everything was like shut down. Yeah, <sighs> so bad. Yeah. Uh, um, well, this was great. Are there any, uh, like maybe common pitfalls if someone's looking to get into that you see that, you know, runs true with a lot of people when getting into carnivore? Um, there can be sometimes you'll be under eating. That's very easy to do. And then you mm-hmm. just, you just find oh they have low energy. They don't really feel good and all that stuff. So, well, because you're not, you're not really getting enough nutrition. Your body needs something, um, or not eating enough fat. Most people think that because they're eating a lot more fat than they've ever eaten before, that that's has to be enough. But in fact, you have to eat a lot of fat, you know, uh, like 70% calories from fat is 50, 50 ground beef, you know, 50% fat by, by weight. Right. So that, that's a lot of fat. Mm. Um, and that's just 70%. So I try to hit between 70 and 80%, you know, so I melt butter into ribeyes sometimes, you know? (laughs) And so, you know, it's, it's a lot of fat. And that that's one thing people can sort of tell if they're not drinking coffee or using artificial sweeteners, because those can all give you sort of, you know, runny stools. But if you're, if you're not eating any of that, you're only eating meat, you can actually tell how much fat you're getting 
because it's actually the excess fat your body can't absorb that keeps your stool soft. You know, otherwise people say, oh, how are you, how are you going to get, how are you going to move your bowels? You have to have fiber. You actually don't, you actually don't want it. Fiber wasn't recommended to, for constipation until like the late eighties, you know, and that was, and that was because we had stopped eating fat, you know, and that's what was keeping everybody regular. Um, your body can only absorb a certain amount of fat. And, and after that, it, it sort of has its limit and you have, and you'll just excrete it. And so it's that, that little extra that, uh, that keeps everything soft. So if you're not getting enough, your body's going to absorb all the fat. Things are going to be dry and hard. So you can tell, okay, I'm not getting enough fat. And a lot of people find that they're constipated. And I keep telling them, well, you need to eat more fat. And they're like, oh no, I'm definitely eating enough fat. And I was like, well, by definition, you're not if you're constipated. So that's something to think about as well. Uh, so the energy levels and uh, yeah, eating enough and just eating, yeah, eating until you're satiating, eating until meat doesn't really taste very interesting anymore. And, um, and yeah, and getting enough fat and, and to the point that you're not constipated. Those are, those are some things that, that people, um, commonly you know, have to have trouble with until, you know, it's just somebody just, just shows them what's going on. Okay. Interesting. And, um, the best place for people to learn more about what you're doing is I know you're on obviously social media, mm -hmm. Um, and the how to, how to carnivore? Well, you tell us. You can. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, the, yeah. How? Yeah. W. You know, just howtocarnivore.com. That's that's where uh, people can go if they wanted to sign up for the thirty day challenge, which you know people are more than welcome to do. Uh, I have a website that's being built that's just more from an informational uh, standpoint called uh, the Carnivore Life. That's not quite out yet, but it's it's almost done. Oh, cool. And um, so yeah, just thecarnivorelife.com. And, uh, and then my main thing is, is, uh, YouTube, YouTube, Instagram, and, uh, my podcast, just, you know, the plant free MD is the name of the podcast that's on Apple and Spotify and everything else. And then my website or sorry, my, um, YouTube channel is just, just my name, Anthony Chafee MD, which also goes cross platform. So YouTube is, is Anthony Chafee MD as is Instagram and Patreon and, um, uh, you know, TikTok horribly is also, that. Um, oh, you're on TikTok. I have avoided TikTok, yeah. but it's so bad, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, you know, I, I, you know, put some, some of my little short videos on it and things like that. And like little, um, you know, clips from my, my podcast. So I just, I just sort of did. And, you know, some of these things actually went pretty viral yeah. pretty early on. So like, you know, I had a couple clips, you know, talking about like just a short sort of one minute talk about, how we were, you know, conned about cholesterol being bad for us, you know, sure. and I just did that. And that, that seemed to be do really well. It just went, you know, uh, pretty, got pretty popular early on. And, and then all of a sudden I have like 12,000 followers on TikTok. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I want to do this. And uh, yeah. All but, my uh, nieces and nephews, all my nieces and nephews are following you. <laughs> yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, hey, I get it. I mean, being on social media, I, honestly, if I didn't do it for business, I probably, I mean, it's nice a little bit, but I, I would probably get off most of that stuff, but I, I think just, so. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I would, I, honestly, I would, I would dump all of this stuff happily yeah. if, I, if I was able to, but you know, but that's, unfortunately, that's, that's, that's how you reach people. And not unfortunately, really, because it, it does give us a medium to yeah, reach people that sure, we wouldn't sure. otherwise, you know, if it used to be before, you know, if a publishing house wouldn't publish your book, or if uh, you know a, a news program wouldn't wouldn't publish your story or a newspaper, no one's hearing that. Right. No one's seeing right. that. You know. No. Now Unless everyone has a platform. Really. Right. Everyone yeah. can create a platform, which is good and bad. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It could be good and bad. 
Um, yeah. Well, the, well, the good part is, is that, that you just turn off the bad ones and be like, well, that's awful. Let's don't watch that guy. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, at least you can avoid it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, yeah, exactly. You don't have to. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to subscribe if you don't want to. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Um, well, this was good. I mean, I'm sure we could talk hours and hours. Maybe when the book comes out, we'll come back and chat about that. Um, yeah, definitely. And glad we connected. So uh, I appreciate appreciate coming on and sharing all the knowledge regarding carnivore and how to get started and things like that. So thanks again. Not a problem at all. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I understand there are millions of other podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine. And I appreciate that. Check out the show notes at briangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again and have a great day.